Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? It's good to be with you on this very special feast day of Our Lady, the feast of her Assumption, uh, body and soul into heaven. It's just a magnificent day, and uh, it's a holy day of obligation. So if you're Catholic, you need to get to Mass today. Um, Any Mass, any time is good, but um, that's obligatory. and um, uh, God blesses us when we walk with him, that's for sure. And um, many people don't know too much about the Assumption of Mary. I'm so glad that it's kept as a holy day because many holy days are transferred to to Sunday in the United States. And, and we really know little about them. We don't partake in them the way they used to. Uh, today, people would be taking off from work and spending it worshiping and praying, and it's not always the case. Many Catholics don't even know that the Assumption of Our Blessed Mother is today and that it's a holy day of obligation, but it is. And I have, just to clarify, Jimmy Aiken is with Catholic Answers and perhaps the best apologist the country or the world has known. There are other great apologists, that is for sure, and Catholic Answers... um, is filled with them. But Jimmy Aiken is unique, and he has an incredible mind. And the uh, degree to which you can see um, someone's intellect and their deep understanding is the degree to which they can be simple, and they can explain things to a child. Jimmy Aiken can do that. And on many of the large feast days, Uh, Jimmy has written 10 things to know, 8 things to know, 12 things to know. He breaks everything down very simply. And here he wrote 12 things to know and share on the Assumption of Mary. And he wrote it several years ago, but it's forever new. doesn't change. It's wonderful. And he writes, in the United States, the Assumption of Our Blessed Mother is a holy day of obligation. Um, in years when it does not fall on Monday, whenever the Assumption falls on a Monday, I think it's taken in with Sunday's celebration. And Jimmy says, what is the Assumption of Mary? How did it come to be defined? And what relevance does it have for our lives? And so here are 12 things to know and share. And this article appeared um, also in the National Catholic Register, but several years back. It actually was written in 2013. The Assumption of Mary is the teaching that the Immaculate Mother of God, the ever-Virgin Mary, having completed the course of her earthly life, was assumed body and soul into heavenly glory. And that is the um, encyclical of Pope Pius the Twelfth, uh, who proclaimed this an infallible doctrine and made it a holy day of obligation. Teach, uh, Jimmy Aiken says, 
um, concerning the level of authority uh, that the teaching has. He says this teaching was infallibly defined by Pope Pius Twelfth on November 1st, 1950. In the bull, Munifis, I know I should, I should have pronounced that before, Munificentissimus Deus, in Latin meaning most bountiful God. As Pius Twelfth explained, it is a divinely revealed dogma. This means that it is a dogma in the proper sense. It is thus a matter of faith that has been divinely revealed by God and that has been infallibly proposed by the magisterium of the church uh, as such. So uh, does a Catholic need to believe in the assumption? The answer is yes. If I don't believe in the assumption, can't I still be Catholic? The answer is no. Whatever the church has defined infallibly and binding on the church, on the faithful to believe as a dogma of the faith, must be believed by every Catholic. Now, every Catholic doesn't need to be a scholar, doesn't need to understand it, but they must believe it. Why? Because they agree? Oh, no, because the church teaches it and the church is our mother. Um, When you have a child and the child uh, doesn't understand or learns something else in school and challenges you, um, uh, can the child uh, disagree Yes, the child can disagree, but um, uh, the parent is the authority. And the child uh, would properly say, Mom, Dad, I don't understand this, but I, I respect it, uh, and I need you to, I, I'd love you to help me to understand it. But we need to learn early on in the home that as children, it's not for us to agree, it's for us to respect the authority put over us. And what we don't fully understand um, and we cannot take to heart, we wait till we mature and can learn these things. But to deny them is to deny our childhood, is to deny the authority over us. And if we deny the church as our mother over us, uh, then uh, then then we deny being her child, then we're not Catholic. Um, does that mean it is an ex cathedra statement and that we have to believe it, Jimmy asks? And the answer is yes. Since it is a dogma defined by the Pope rather than by an ecumenical council, for example, it is also an ex cathedra statement. That is, one delivered from the chair of Peter. Ex out of cathedra, um, or cathedra could be pronounced either way is the chair. So it's from the chair of Peter and it has that authority. Um, because it is infallibly defined, it calls for the definitive assent of the faithful. You see the definitive assent. I remember when I was looking into the church and my brother had already become Catholic. I couldn't believe it. Um, and I said to him, do you believe what the church teaches everything on Mary? And I remember him saying, no, I don't, because I really don't, I don't understand it all. Uh, but I accept it because the church teaches it. And the reason I'm becoming Catholic 
is because I believe it's the church Christ established that he promised to lead into all truth until the end of time, you see, and the gates of hell won't prevail. So we assent not to dogmas, not to doctrine, but to the church as our mother, and then we believe all that she teaches. Pope John Paul II uh, said this, the definition of the dogma in conformity with the universal faith of the people of God, definitively excludes every doubt and calls for the express assent of all Christians. You see, you can't even say, well, I'll believe it when I study it, or I'm not sure, okay, I'll say I believe it, but I really don't know. You're not Catholic. You need to assent. Is that right? Is that what the church teaches? Well, then, of course, I believe it. Do I understand it yet? No, I don't. So that means I need to do my homework and study. Jimmy says, note that all infallibly defined teachings are things we are obliged to believe, even if they are not defined ex cathedra by the Pope acting on his own. The bishops of the world teaching in union with the Pope, either in an ecumenical council or otherwise, can also infallibly define matters but these are not called ex-cathedra or ex-cathedra, since that term refers specifically to the exercise of the Pope's authority as the successor of St. Peter. It is, Saint, it is Peter's cathedra or chair that symbolizes the Pope's authority. Number four, Jimmy says, does the dogma require us to believe that Mary died? Now, Jimmy says it is the common. I'm going to, I'm going to. Um, um, let me just read Jimmy's answer. It is the common teaching that Mary did die. In his work Fundamentals of Catholic Dogma, Ludwig Ott lists this teaching as sententic um, communior. That is the more common opinion. Now, does one have to believe Mary died? They died. They don't have to believe it, but it's the greater understanding that she did. Um, Jimmy says, although it is the common understanding uh, that Mary did die, and although her death is referred to in some of the sources, Pius Twelfth cited in Munificentissimus, <laughs> that's not so easy for me to say, Deus, he deliberately refrained from defining this as a truth of the faith. Faith. This meaning the assumptions a truth of the faith, but the fact that she died, uh, whether she died or went to heaven uh, directly without dying, is the question here. Um, John Paul said on November first, nineteen fifty, in defining the dogma of the assumption, Pius the twelfth avoided using the term resurrection and did not take a position on the question of the Blessed Virgin's death as a truth of faith. You see, if it was known that she died, then her uh, assumption would have been her resurrection. Um, The bull Munificentissimus Deus limits itself to affirming the elevation of Mary's body to heavenly glory, declaring this truth a divinely revealed doctrine. So what we do know, beloved, is that Mary's body was taken up into heaven. She was taken up, body and soul, into heaven. Number 
5, Jimmy asks, Why should Mary die if she was free from original sin and its stain? And he answers, Being free of original sin and its stain is not the same thing as being in a glorified, deathless condition. Jesus was also free of original sin and its stain, but he could and did die. Expressing a common view among theologians, Ludwig Ott in Fundamentals of the Faith writes this. He says, For Mary, death, in consequence of her freedom from original sin and from personal sin, was not a consequence of punishment of sin. However, it seems fitting that Mary's body, which was by nature mortal, should be in conformity with that of her divine Son, subject to the general law of death. And um, I know that some of the mystics, um, uh, Maria Vagretta, um, St. Catherine Emmerich, um, who I've not read through, but others have, and they have said that Mary wanted to uh, follow her son in death, to uh, experience the suffering and death that he did. In imitation of him. Jimmy S., <clears throat> number six, what are the earliest surviving references to Mary's assumption? And he answers that John Paul noted the first trace of belief in the Virgin's assumption can be found in the apocryphal accounts titled uh, Transitus Mariae, um, Transitus Mariae, that is the crossing over of Mary, whose origin dates to the second and third centuries. These are popular and sometimes romanticized depictions, which in this case, however, pick up an intuition of faith on the part of God's people. Number seven from Jimmy. How did the recognition of Mary's assumption develop in the East? Again, John Paul noted, there was a long period of growing reflection on Mary's destiny in the next world. This gradually led the faithful to believe in the glorious raising of the mother of Jesus in body and soul and to the institution in the East of the liturgical feasts of the Dormition, which means falling asleep, which is comparable to death, and <clears throat> Assumption of Mary. Um, so in the East, they do celebrate the Dormition, and I was um, at the um, in Israel uh, at the... Um, uh, chapel, I think it is, I'm not sure, of the Dormition, uh, showing the apostles around Mary um, when she was laid in the tomb. Number eight, how did Pius Twelfth prepare for the definition of the Assumption? John Paul again noted, in May 1944, with the encyclical um, uh, De Pare Virginis, uh, Virginie Marie, Marie, sorry, my messing up the Latin, uh, Die Pare Virginis Mariae, Pius Twelfth called for a broad consultation. 1944, this is six years before he declared the dogma as infallible, he called for um, a broad consultation inquiring among the bishops 
and through them among the clergy and the people of God as to the possibility and opportuneness of defining the bodily assumption of Mary as a dogma of faith. You see, it was also the sense of the faithful. He was not, he didn't do it just on his own. The result was extremely positive. Only six answers out of 1,181 showed any reservations about the revealed character of this truth. You see, very often, beloved, what is declared uh, in in the papal bulls and encyclicals um, is what has been believed uh, all along. But it's time to declare uh, the matter an infallible doctrine. Uh, number nine, what scriptural basis is there for the teaching? John Paul noted, John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II noted, <clears throat> although the New Testament does not explicitly affirm Mary's assumption, it offers a basis for it because it strongly emphasizes the Blessed Virgin's perfect union with Jesus' destiny. Hold on. <coughs> Sorry. This union, which is manifested from the time of the Savior's miraculous conception in the mother's participation in her son's mission and especially in her association with this redemptive sacrifice, cannot fail to require a continuation after death. Perfectly united with the life and saving work of Jesus, Mary shares his heavenly destiny in body and soul. End quote from John Paul II. Jimmy says there are thus passages in Scripture that resonate with the assumption, even though they do not spell it out. <clears throat> and I want to uh, say, because of my evangelical background, when we were taught that the church came from the Scriptures, uh, that's backwards. The scriptures came from the church. The church wrote the scriptures. The church existed first, uh, founded on uh, the apostles and prophets, born on the by the pierced side of our Lord on the cross. And it is the church who wrote the scriptures. And as um, John recited or stated in, in the Gospel of John, not everything could be written down that Jesus did, and the books of the world wouldn't contain it, and not everything can be written down about the Blessed Mother or everything else. But much is known through tradition, not with a small T, but with a capital T, handed down uh, by word, by mouth. Uh, that is the tradition um, that is protected just as the Word of God is protected uh, by the Holy Spirit. Um, Second Thessalonians, chapter two, verse fifteen. Um, uh, Paul speaks to the Thessalonians about the tradition that he passed down to them, uh, whether orally or in word, and they're both protected by the Holy Spirit. There is a tradition with a small t that is man's tradition, and many of those develop over the years, even in the Protestant churches. But tradition, which we say with a capital T, 
is what God has preserved. It is the magisterium of the church. It's the magisterium scripture and tradition, and they are both preserved by the Holy Spirit. Jimmy says, what are some specific Old Testament passages that might speak to the assumption? Well, Pope Pius XII pointed to several passages that have been legitimately used in a rather free manner to explain belief in the assumption, meaning that these passages will resonate with it in various ways, but they do not provide explicit proof. Um, And you know, beloved, we believe many things that cannot be proved by Scripture, whose words are not even in Scripture. Hold on. One of them is the word incarnation. We certainly believe in the incarnation, that the word became flesh, but the word is not in Scripture. We believe in the Trinity, but the word is not in Scripture. And we believe in purgatory, and there's tremendous uh, demonstration of that in Scripture, although the word is not in Scripture. And so uh, we believe in some key doctrines that are not explicitly um, uh, stated in Scripture, and yet uh, the evidence is, is absolutely there. Jimmy says, often there are theologians and preachers who, following in the footsteps of the Holy Fathers, have been rather free in their use of events and expressions taken from sacred scripture to explain their belief in the assumption. Thus, to mention only a few of the texts rather frequently cited in this fashion, some have employed the words of the psalmist. This is Psalm 131, or in the older rendering, 130, which says, Arise, O Lord, into your resting place, you and the ark which you have sanctified. And Mary, of course, is the new ark of the new covenant, the New Testament. Jimmy says that um, um, uh, and have looked upon the ark of the covenant built of wood and placed in the Lord's temple as a type of the most pure body of Mary, preserved and exempt from all the corruption of the tomb and raised up to such glory in heaven. Um, Psalm 44, treating of this subject, they also describe her as the queen entering triumphantly into the royal halls of heaven and sitting at the right hand of the divine redeemer. This comes from the Song of Solomon. Uh, Likewise, they mention the spouse of the canticles that goes up by the desert as a pillar of smoke of aromatical spices of myrrh and frankincense to be crowned. And then in the encyclical of Pope Pius XII, Munificentissimus Deus, these are proposed as depicting that heavenly queen and heavenly spouse who has been lifted up to the courts of heaven with the divine bridegroom. What are some, Jimmy asks, number 11, what are some specific New Testament passages? And again, Pius XII continued, um, Moreover, the scholastic doctors have recognized the assumption of the Virgin Mother of God as something signified, not only in various figures of the Old Testament, but also in that woman clothed with the Son whom John the Apostle 
contemplated on the island of Patmos, and that's Revelation chapter 12. Similarly, they have, that's the woman seen in heaven, uh, clothed with the sun and 12 stars on her head. Similarly, Jimmy says they have given, oh no, this is Pope, this is uh, Pius Twelfth. Similarly, they have given special attention to these words of the New Testament. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, since they saw in the mystery, um, the mystery of the assumption, the fulfillment of that most perfect grace granted to the Blessed Virgin and the special blessing that countered the curse of Eve. And that's also in Pope uh, Pius XII's document. Um, Full of grace. If you picture the meaning of that, if you see a glass full of full of wine, let's say, right to the rim. Um, there's no room for water. There's no room for more wine. There's no room for anything. It's filled, wine or juice or water, whatever it is. It's full of water. And that's the sense of Mary being full of grace, filled with grace. Um, there's no room for every, for anything else. She is full of grace. Um, in the Greek, it's one word, um, and it means full of grace. So there's the music. My, I haven't even finished this, but um, there's the music, beloved. And um, you are welcome to call in. We'll have a half hour together. Call in with anything on your heart. doesn't have to be what we're speaking about. could be anonymous, whatever uh, is good for you. A toll-free to call or text is one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails. And stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true.
In St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews, we read, Let your life be free from love of money, but be content with what you have. For Jesus has said, I will never forsake you or abandon you. When you trust the Lord with your money, He can do remarkable things. By donating in support of Catholic Radio's efforts to evangelize our world, your gift could be doubled. Many organizations offer gift-matching programs for their employees' charitable donations. If your place of employment is one of them, be sure to take advantage of this opportunity in support of Catholic Catholic Radio and our evangelization efforts. May God bless you for your generosity to the Station of the Cross, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. It's good to be with you. And again, we have a whole half hour all to ourselves. And you're welcome to call in or text toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have a call on the line from James. Hello, James. Are you there? Can you hear me? I can hear you fine, James. I can hear you. Go ahead, sweetie. Thank you. Yeah, my question is, my wife and I are extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist when we go to a nursing home. We don't distribute communion at Mass. Not anymore. I used to do that, but uh, I don't feel it's appropriate. And um, when we go to the nursing home, you know, we're kind of given a script to follow, which follows along the Mass, so we do the readings, etc., so we have a service. And sometimes I would also do a little bit of a homily. Now, I heard you speak about this over the last couple of weeks, so I wanted to get clarification because I don't want to do this if it's inappropriate and if it's against Church teachings. Uh, So I was wondering if you could comment on that. Give me some guidance in that direction. Well, I, I, I wish it would not be the case, James, but it's not against Church teaching for you to do that. I would eliminate the homily. Again, homilies are given only by priests and deacons, only. Um, and the, the exact script you have, let's say, when you are appointed by a priest to go to, um, uh, uh, did you say nursing home? <clears throat> yes, yes. Uh, I, that's, I think that's what you should follow. And I, I wouldn't give a homily, and I wouldn't go beyond that. Um let me just say, uh, probably uh, you don't need this message, James, but I, I want to say it for others who bring communion to homebound, to nursing homes, to other places. Um, I have witnessed in the Novus Ordo Mass, um, I've never witnessed it in a Latin Mass. The priest just goes all over the place and brings communion. Um but I have witnessed it in the Novus Ordo Mass where the the priest will give the person taking communion to the homebound or a nursing home, whatever it may be, and the the host or the multiple hosts will be put in the picks around uh, the neck of the extraordinary minister of the Eucharist, and then they go back to their seat in church. Or they stand around talking to people. That should never happen. 
the minute anyone receives our Lord, they should go without any conversation, without sitting back down in their seat. They should immediately leave the church and go directly to where they're distributing communion uh, and and directly and have no conversations along the way. It's such a sacrilege because there is the Eucharistic minister or extraordinary minister of the Eucharist sitting back down for the conclusion of the Mass um, with the host. Everyone around him should be on their knees. It's it's a terrible thing to treat our Lord like that. So uh, the Church allows it, so I would not tell you no, but I would say not no homily is appropriate. And if you and your wife have the sacred host, you must go directly to the people who are to receive it and not stop and sit in the church or have conversations. Yes, yes, we do, Mother. When we get the host, we go directly to the That's next. fantastic. And, then, and when we leave, we go directly back to the church and put the host back into the tabernacle. And we okay. try to be as respectful and reverent as possible when doing this. And I wish priests would do it instead. I really do. Mother. Oh, so now, wait a minute. Now, I misunderstood. Wait, 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 James. Now I misunderstood you. You're, I misunderstood. You're actually doing a communion service. Correct. Oh, I, well, I can't. Yes. Yeah, we are. No, yeah, we I, can't, I yeah. cannot answer you on that. Uh, I thought you were simply bringing the host to certain patients in a nursing home. But if you're doing an actual, because then you also have uh, a, pros, a, a procedure to go through before they receive the sacred host. I thought you were going to specific people in a nursing home. If you're going to a nursing home and conducting a communion service, um, I'm going to guess the church allows it, but I, I can't speak to that. I can't, because I'd have to look up canon law on that, James. It, it's, I don't know that off the top of my head. I wish that would not happen. Um, I know we think there's a shortage of priests, but there is not a shortage of priests. Um, I was in uh, Vladivostok some years ago. I spent three weeks in the Primorsky region, which is about three times the size of Texas, and they have five priests for an area three times the size of Texas, the whole eastern part of uh, the Soviet Union. It is, and five priests, and the people do not receive Holy Communion. It's once a month that the priests are able to get to them. They go by plane, they go by truck, they, they go by car, by train. Once a month, those people receive Communion because it's respected. I would not want any lay people to give a communion service at a nursing home. But, uh, again, to bring to specific people that are homebound or in the nursing home that are part of the parish, that kind of thing, all right. But I I, I frown on the service, but I can't tell you it's wrong uh, because I'd have to look up canon law. I'm almost afraid that canon law would tell you it's all right. Um Again, go to catholic.com and uh, look up that in their search box, and they will help you on that. Um, You can also look up the germ general instruction for the Roman Missal online and go down to communion and and see what the uh, canon law will tell you. 
thank you, Mother. And by the way, I love the Latin Mass. My okay. heart just, oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> oh, that's that's wonderful, James. And you can you imagine taking the Eucharist out from the Latin Mass and doing a service at a nursing home? No, I I, I wish I, I you know, we do it because there's no one to do it, Mother. And in your Latin parish? In your Latin parish? No. Oh, no, no, that's no. what I mean. I go to another. I go to another parish for the Latin mass. Our parish doesn't have a Latin mass. No, okay, but you. I say, can yeah. you imagine a Latin mass doing that, sending its people out to conduct a service at a nursing home? No, it would never happen because there's reverence for the Holy Eucharist. That's why. James, God bless you, my brother. There is, thank you, you, dear. There's music for our second break, um, and you are welcome again to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. This is Joanne Wright, co-founder of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. On this beautiful Marian Feast Day of the Assumption of Our Lady into Heaven, Body and Soul, we celebrate the exact day that the Station of the Cross began 20 years ago. Through each of our station's call letters, we also honor Our Lady in her many titles. In St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 15, we read, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. At the Station of the Cross, we truly see Catholic Radio as an indescribable gift from God, and we're so blessed to have you as part of our mission. We also couldn't have done it without you and your support over the past 20 years. With your continued prayers and financial support, we will be able to proclaim the fullness of truth with clarity and charity for many years to come. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. Welcome. 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. And this is the last uh, segment of our program. We've got over 15 minutes, and I would be delighted uh, with any call that you have, any subject. I can't always do a good job in answering, but we can at least uh, give you uh, a reference where you might get that answer. Um, again, and the uh, toll-free number to call or text is one eight seven seven five one one. 5483 or email at mother at We took an email from Jean Marie yesterday. We didn't get to her last point, and I promised Jean Marie that I would finish her email today. And so you say, one more thought I would like you to clarify if you would. Can Mary speak through us? And she said she heard on another EWTN show following your show that the host of the show asks Mary to speak through her when giving advice to people when she thinks that Mary's understanding of their situation would be beneficial for her to just let Mary do the talking through her. I have never heard of this before and wondered what you thought about it. I haven't heard that before either, Jean Marie. Um, Mary, indeed, is the mediatrix of all grace. Nothing comes to us from Christ except through Mary. Christ doesn't come to us except through Mary. And so she is the mediatrix of all grace. Um, God has always come to us through his mother, and he always will. Now, for someone to say, to pray to Mary, to pray for them and assist them in what they're doing and assist them with the grace uh, that is her through her son, that's a good thing. Um, but to ask her to speak through you, I, I don't know. We can ask the Holy Spirit to speak through us. We can ask God to speak through us. Um, and we can pray to Mary that um, that the Holy Spirit would speak through us, but that Mary would speak through us, uh, that is a little different, and I, 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 I don't, I can't tell you that that is part of our faith that Mary speaks through us, um, that she is the mediatrix that we can pray to Mary, that God answers our prayers through Mary. Yes, but it is always God. We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Good morning, Mother Miriam. I have never read the Rosa Mystica Modesty book. Um, you know, oh, well, you know, we did take this the other day. Um, it's someone who has recommended a book um, by Colleen Hammond, uh, published by Tan. It's the book Dressing with Dignity. I do recommend that book. She also recommended The Naked Truth About Modesty, published by uh, True Faith TV. And I, I, I'm I, going to imagine it's good, but I haven't watched it yet, so I can't recommend it. Okay. Um, these actually, um, I'm getting emails we answered already yesterday. Um, hold on now. Um, 
I don't know if I if I answered this yesterday uh, from Jennifer. I think this is new today. Uh, Follow up question from Jennifer. She says, thank you, Mother Miriam, for answering my question. Should I stop giving communion to homebound and senior homes? If I don't go, they will not be able to receive. Is it okay for me to just do homebound and senior homes? Thank you so much. You are my spiritual director. God bless. How sweet. Oh, Jennifer, um, I don't recall your full situation, but um, it is okay for you to be an extraordinary minister of the Eucharist, bringing the Holy Eucharist to those who are homebound. And I say again, to if there are seniors in senior homes that are part of your parish and with the priest uh, direction and permission, you can directly go and uh, give them Holy Communion. Uh, I, I believe the church allows that. Whether or not you go to a senior home and conduct a service, uh, we just had that question um, I, I, I'm very shaky about that. I don't want to see it happen, and I don't know if the church allows it a service So, uh, in general for the senior home. So you'll need to find that out, and I suggest you call uh, Catholic Answers um, and speak to one of their apologists. Um, there are many people, as I mentioned, you say if you don't go, they won't be able to receive. I mentioned the situation I had in Russia where the people received once a month, because that's the only way that five priests covering the whole eastern side of Far East Russia, it's the only way they can get to them. I went myself two and a half hours with a translator um, to not even bring communion. I wouldn't do it, but to um, to come to them and give a talk and encourage them, not a homily. It wasn't a mass. They were very grateful even for that. Um so um, I would I would be very careful about that. And uh, if you can find the testimony of Bishop Athanasius Schneider from um, Saint Cac- uh, from uh, uh, Saint Mary's Astana, Kakistan, uh, Russia, as well, you will see that they didn't receive communion for several years because they were under communism, and a priest couldn't get to them. And so they grew up in a very, very faithful uh, Catholic home, and their mother taught them the faith. And they gathered on Sunday, they prayed, uh, they read, um, and they were without the Mass for a number of years. Better that than have the Mass become commonplace by regular people who are not ordained and become mundane. It's It's a terrible desecration of the Holy Eucharist. So I would not do it myself. Jennifer. Someone has written in anonymously uh, by a text. It says, Dearest Mother, could you recommend the best and easiest to use Latin Missal? Yes, I can. I would like to purchase one that has the English and Latin, both in large print and easy to navigate during Mass. I understand the ones prior to 1962 are preferred. Well, you can get the 1962 Roman Missal. It doesn't have to be prior to 1962. That is a preferred. Um, 1962 is absolutely fine. An easier one uh, that instructs you the whole way is the St. Andrew's Missal. 
but the type is smaller. It's a little darker, which helps you, but it's smaller. It's not only not large print, it's smaller than regular print. So I don't know if it's 10 point or 12 point, but it, it, that may. So take a look if you can at a St. Andrew's missile. And then if not, go ahead and get the Roman missile of 1962, which has both Latin and English um, and uh, some good explanations as well. Okay. Um, God bless you. Um, we have just a few minutes, and I want to finish the article I started at, right at the beginning uh, on the assumption, um, the 12th point of Jimmy Aiken on this uh, 12 things to know and share about the Assumption of Mary is how can we apply this teaching to our everyday lives? And he quotes from Pope Benedict Sixteenth uh, at the Pope's general audience in 2006. And Pope Benedict says this, By contemplating Mary in heavenly glory, we understand that the earth is not the definitive homeland for us either, and that if we live with our gaze fixed on eternal goods, we will one day share in his this same glory, and the earth will become more beautiful. Consequently, we must not lose our serenity and peace, even amid the thousands of daily difficulties. The luminous sign of Our Lady taken up into heaven shines out even more brightly when sad shadows of suffering and violence seem to loom on the horizon. And now this was written 13 years ago, beloved. We certainly have sad shadows of suffering and violence, not just looming on the horizon, but upon us now. We may be sure of it. From on high, Mary follows our footsteps with gentle concern, dispels the gloom in moments of darkness and distress, reassures us with her motherly hand. Supported by awareness of this, let us continue confidently on our path of Christian commitment. Wherever providence may lead us, let us forge ahead in our lives under Mary's guidance. That's truly, truly beautiful, beloved. Um, we are, I mentioned earlier this week that um, we are sending out our next newsletter by email. It will be out by the end of this week. Um, and um, if you're not on our email list or our newsletter list by by regular mail, um, go ahead to our website, which is www.motherofisraelshope.org. If you have trouble with that, just type in Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, and it'll take you there. And then just click on the newsletter tab toward the right. And right on top, there's a uh, you can click subscribe. And if you put your name and address and email address, you'll get it all. You don't have to say, I want both or any. You'll get the whole thing. If you give us your um, regular address and your email address, you'll get the email virgin, version, which comes out a little before the print version. Our print version is right now at the printer, and so uh, will be mailed in a week. Um, but the email verg- version will be out at the end of this week on the web. Um, there's some very, very special news in our newsletter this week of how we can support each other 
in the growth of the faith, not financially, uh, not in any other way, although if it's a matter of LifeSite News or Station of the Cross, I ask you to support them financially. They are so faithful, and I wouldn't be here without them, and I wouldn't be here without your support. But the but what we wish to do here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, is um, begin a, a lay group that we can begin together and study the faith together and um, and uh, sort through all the confusion of our day and support one another in prayer and uh, however God leads us. So that's all in the newsletter. And again, you're welcome to get it. www.motherofisraelshope.org. There's no charge. There's no nothing required at all. And to be a part of what we're starting, which... Um, is going to be very wonderful. It's in the newsletter. Uh, there's no charge. There's no requirement. Many women write in and they say, are you ever going to start an oblate group, which is third order, because, you know, we can't qualify for your order. Or maybe their grandmothers, they don't want to come in. They want to grow up with a grandmother or they're physically disabled or, you know, way, uh, whatever it is, doesn't, doesn't work for them to come in. Um, I say yes. And we've been waiting until we move to do that. Um, we're still looking for a diocese and a bishop to welcome us um, and uh, so that we can begin to take in the women that are waiting. Um, and um, I was going to wait until then, but we're not going to wait. We're going to begin right now with this newsletter. So you're welcome to get it. And uh, you can always go to the front page of our website and, and find it as well uh, as soon as it's sent out. So uh, go ahead and... Um, uh, write and it'd be much easier if you go on the internet uh, and and write in for that. You can also go on our website and click contact us and send an email if you wish uh, to do that. That's much easier for us than your calling because very difficult to keep up with uh, too many calls. So, uh, but we welcome you um, and we want to help one another in any way we can in this time and with just. Um, a minute or two left to our program today, I want to urge you to pray as we are praying for the cancellation, if God wills, of the Amazon Synod. It's scheduled for October. It is, um, to me, it's the manifestation of evil. Uh, the bishops have written, good bishops have written against it. Uh, they've said that it has really nothing to do with the key teaching of the Catholic faith. Um, and uh, Christ is not a part of it. Uh, it's it's not good, and so um, uh, it's heresy. It's speaking about women deacons and women priests and men to be not to be celibate priests. It it's really a very so we're praying for its destruction before it starts or for a God to protect the church through it. And I think that's a good prayer. We've spoken about it in our newsletter, beloved. There's our closing music, and so we will be with you tomorrow. Blessed feast day of the Assumption of our wonderful Blessed Mother. We'll speak with you tomorrow.